Hello everyone and welcome to a possibly chaotic episode of the Winging It F1 podcast which I think we are all looking forward to doing. It is going to be a news episode. We are going to be covering the engine news that has come out over the past few days that Red Bull are taking over the Honda engine and have found a Red Bull powertrain. There's also an engine freeze which we'll be we will be bringing you up to date on and also Alonso's uh, bicycling accident uh, which he is now recovering from which we are all pleased about and the McLaren launch which yeah I think that'll be an interesting one to go into at the end of the podcast but first I am here as usual with Freddie Coates and Nigel Chute how are you both? Yeah doing very good I think like you say it's going to be a bit chaotic I think we're a bit hyper judging from the um, the preamble zoom to this podcast where there was a good half an hour of just chaos <laughs> Yes, whose fault was that? Yeah, I'm very, I'm doing all right. Adam. You, yeah, I'm very interesting. Me, <laughs> Nigel well, says, whose um, fault yeah. was that? And it was his fault. It was entirely <laughs> his fault. Before we get into that, we'll just do a quick reminder of where you can listen to us, or other ways you can listen to us and consume our content. If you are new to the channel, as I hit the table, um, so. If you are listening to us on Spotify, then you will know that we are on Spotify. If you search Winging It F1, we are also on YouTube. Again, if you search Winging It F1 or Winging It F1 podcast, you'll find us there. I think we're top search result, or maybe that's just on my computer because it knows that I do the podcast. Who knows? And we are on Acast, our podcast provider, which Freddie knows more about than me. Yes, we have a podcast provider. We have a website through Acast, which is shows.acast forward slash winging it hyphen f1 hyphen podcast and like that um it's it's in all of our descriptions and everything don't worry if you want to click on our website go on it there and you can find our entire back catalog of episodes you can listen to them on Acast, and it's got links to all of our twitters and all of the um all of the links that adam has just brilliantly said Yes, and on the subject of Twitter, I am at Adam Dickinson 01, Freddie is at Fredcoat1999, and Nigel is at Nigel C. Journo, unless he has changed it since I last did this, which is a while back. And we are on Twitter as a podcast at Winging It F1, hopefully. Um, so yes. we will dive straight into the engine news. Uh, I think we'll start with the Red Bull news. It came out last year October maybe September October, November okay September a bit earlier than I thought um that Honda were going to be stepping away from F1 again um and that left Red Bull in a bit of a pickle because from next year onwards they were due not to have an engine and we didn't know which whether they go with one of the existing manufacturers they've obviously not got the greatest of relationships with Renault or Mercedes or Ferrari. So they decided to go it alone, probably for that reason. Um, <laughs> Nigel, what more can you tell us about this? Oh, well, I've got a bit of a cough, but I'm going to try and explain it. So yes, Red Bull have <laughs> taken over the Honda engines from next year. And I think the big news from it is, is that there will be an engine freeze, which means that teams will not be able to develop their engines after, uh, well, just after this time next year, really, from uh, just before winter testing. Red Bull needed this because to take over the engines, 
if there wasn't an engine freeze, then everyone else would be able to develop and they wouldn't because they would just be stuck with a 2021 engine. But now everyone will be on like, everyone will be on a level playing field, if that makes sense, because Red Bull will have the most up-to-date Honda engine. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no development after this year. And hopefully, with the way science works, the teams will converge with the power units anyway, and it should level up the playing field. But most importantly, it keeps Red Bull in F1, and it'll be interesting to see how it all works uh, when they take over Honda, I guess. Yeah, I have a feeling there was a lot of push for a freeze from... The, the head honchos from F1, from the FIA for this, because um, Formula One without Red Bull is not a pretty place. You, a fifth of the teams are gone. Um, probably, you know, think about the amount of drivers on the grid now that have come through Red Bull, and you've obviously got... Um, and lost. <laughs> and lost a lot. But you've obviously had a lot of talent and across the racing fraternity come through Red Bull. So Red Bull have come from a sponsor on the back of a Sauber, in 1995 to a fully fledged entire basically entirely works manufacturer um in formula one and i think i think this week we've seen a lot of um other drinks companies get a little bit annoyed about red bull naming no um non-premium x has sponsors um because we don't want to name them um and i think this is really really positive and i think the engine freeze is what makes it so positive as nigel says because you have had um championship winning engines um do extra years so i think in um williams when they won in 1997 had that was the big farewell to the renault engine that had seen them take basically nearly every constructors championship bar one from 94 to from 92 to um um 97 and then they just rebadged it and called it like a mecha chrome for 1998 and it was a it was a year behind so it, Williams didn't fight for a championship again really until 2003 and this with, with Red Bull with a whole new designed Honda engine for 2021 let's not forget and that's going to be massive because Honda really everything coming out of Honda is so positive for this year's engine and Honda has been one of the best Formula 1 engines in the past year anyway so this is wow, going to be four. one of the four it's, <laughs> that's, that's, it's been the top four engine <laughs> if, if you're any of them you could well be top three and that's podium material so um honda have got a lot lying on this and the last time a, a honda pulled out of something and um there was a, they were basically saved braun won the championship so who knows yeah i think ferrari they won't be very pleased at this surely well it it depends because it, it will save costs, so it helps everyone in a way. But <clears throat> if Ferrari are still behind this time next year, then they will have they will have a problem. But uh, Again, I'm not sure. But there might be a, there might be some a few rules to help whoever's like last in the engine pecking order. I'm not I'm not entirely sure how it's going to fully work. I don't think we'll know for for a few weeks. There are a lot of good um a good things coming out of mid-season last year about the engine development at Ferrari and um, sort of around the end of the season they said they they seemed to think they'd made a very good level of progress 
and um because none of it gelled at ferrari last year they had a car that was designed it was so draggy because it was designed for a faster engine that then wasn't there meant that that every problem was over over exaggerated so much so they know what they're going into with this year and they're saying they, they seem to think they've got a much better engine because they've made it and they know the regulations they're sticking to with it this time they're not cutting out half the engine like they did for 2020 with oil burning etc which we you know know only so much about so they're going into 2021 with a with a whole powertrain built um that they know the capabilities of really and they're going to build the car to that powertrain so i think ferrari are going to be in a bit probably you'll feel a bit quietly comfortable that they don't have an engine that's going to throw up any random surprises like it has done in the past year mm-hmm. that's yeah. the point of a surprise though it's not I think, oh, this engine's going to be a bad surprise for us. Yeah, I think <laughs> that there will be a team that's in, or there will potentially be a team that is in, you know, a, quite a bad position, or several teams, depending on which engine manufacturer it is, that are really on the back foot now for the next few years if they don't get it right. You know, and that's, I, I think that is that is a potential problem, but it's, it's you know, it's the lowest of three or two or three evils of, of, you know, either Red Bull pulling out or, yeah, that, as yeah. you say, that really then, damaged the sport. And we wouldn't have been it, able to talk to, about Albon for the whole of last year, so that would have damaged this podcast too. So they do have a big place in the sport, and I'm glad that they are able to continue. But then every capability of every engine is known for a good three years. And... Um, there's not going to be the the different like if you're if you're Mercedes and your engines at a certain level, you'll always be building a car to that level, and if you're Alpine and your engines a little bit slower, you'll all, you'll always be going down a philosophy of a slightly less draggy, slightly slipperier car. And so by the time you get to the end of those development cycles, um, all of the all of the aerodynamics will have sort of worked in a way that will negate any of the differences between the engines anyway because they'll have developed their cards in such a way that they'll be getting the maximum out of it with that particular engine and they know exactly what's coming from that engine i think mm-hmm. everyone has been talking about talking about their 2021 power unit in completely random ways mercedes came out the other day and said they've got issues with it which they always say something's they're going to be on pole by 50 50 seconds um <laughs> and i've already said you know Honda and Honda and Ferrari are confident. I don't really know what Alpine think about their engine, but they've got no customers now, so they're probably the one who are in the in the worst boat, I'd say. I think that is the one big worry. If Mercedes, for whatever reason, have a substantial advantage at the end of this year in terms of their engine, then it could be a bit of a problem. But I think the hope is that it will be like the V8 engine era when there was an engine freeze then, and the all, all of the engine manufacturers are pretty close to each other and uh you know it was a lot better then arguably f1 so uh yeah i think the hope is that it, it's something like that yeah and you yeah. still had you still had characteristics in the engines then the mercedes was still a touch mm-hmm. faster the renault was um at that time a touch slower but the renault was the car that the renault powered red bull was the car that won four championships on the trot so it's kind of like it's still about the car more than the powertrain yeah i think there's a phrase which is probably out there but if not then i've made it up um that an engine freezer is only as good as its engines and we'll have to see over this season how that plays out 
How, who do you think had the strongest engine out of Mercedes and Red, uh, Renault last season? Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes had the best engine in the whole field. Mm. Renault, had, Renault, had a car that respond, Renault had a car that responded mm-hmm. very, very nicely to a um, very low drag setup. Um, I think I've over, over, in my memory, I drastically overestimated the Renault. I think, well, well, I mean, you look at the Renault where the Renault was really good, and someone like Spa and someone like Monza attracted yeah, Honda was arguably better than Renault. Right, never mind Mercedes. All right, Nigel, let me take him seriously. <laughs> so the Renault performance was going really well at high speed tracks, and that was because more so that the Renault team took a step with just trying out a random low drag setup, and it worked really nicely with their car. And if you look at the Constructors' Championship standings, by the time you got to sort of round three or four, Racing Point and McLaren were in their kind of usual position of best of the rest. And Renault was in a bit of a no man's land between themselves and Ferrari and Alfa Romeo, Alfa, Romeo, Alfa Tauri. And um, Renault sort of had a bit of an unlock, at, I think Silverstone two, or one of the Silverstones. And Ricardo was then up into fourth place or something. And from then on, Ricardo was there and there and there and there. And that's because they really managed to perfect it a different type of setup for the car. So I think that's that sort of leads into the point that I was saying earlier about with them know, always knowing the capability of the engine, the car will then be built to that engine in, in even more of a um, successful way with, with the engine freeze, if I'm making any sense. It makes sense, but I thought Renault's straight line speed of gains were down to aerodynamics more than anything, more yeah. than the engine. Or... That's what I said. They, um... uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I celebrated the engine freeze discussion by freezing on the Zoom call, so that's going very well. All in notice <laughs> with the internet. Yeah, I tried to keep as still as I could, even though it didn't make a difference. I mean, if you're gonna freeze, if your video is gonna freeze, that's the time you should move around a lot because no one can see you. But there we go. Such is the age that we are living in. So, final thoughts. Will this engine freeze be a good thing for F1? Uh, yes. Keeps Rebel in the sport. A- absolutely, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll I mean, there's obviously agree. the caveats of, oh, every engine could be blowing up like hell this year. But um, if they're not, if it's if it's as it's been for the six of the seven V6 turbo hybrid era years where the engines are... Um, uh, like 2017, where the engines were kind of normal with each other, then why not? It'll be fine. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk about years from the past. What 27 Mercedes, Mercedes have always had an, an advantage in every year, apart from 2019. So we're just freezing the advantage, aren't we? It's the same thing. It would have been, they would have had an advantage if they built a new power unit. So may as well just freeze the advantage. That, if you think about it like that, it's kind of like. It's fair enough because if you're going to keep making the same marginal gains, then everyone's going to keep at the same rate feasibly because Mercedes well, well, have had the converge eventually. Not if there's so many complica- complicated reasons going uh, into this power unit, most expensive yeah. power unit of all time, the most complicated power unit of all time. Yeah. That there's so much going into this that convergence is going to take 20 years. And the more we look at it, you know, Ferrari just had a shocker. They keep having to redesign these engines. Ferrari redesigning it, Honda redesigning it, as we keep, as I've said. So the convergence is a long way away. And if with a with a sustainable engine really being 
what's important to Formula One now, what's important to the world now, frankly. This engine can't afford, no, and, and with money existing, uh, with, with this not being free, this engine can't afford to wait for convergence. Yeah, good point. I think, I think most importantly, well, obviously, I think, you know, the sports first, but for Red Bull, it kind of keeps Verstappen not certain for next year with them, but it definitely helps that he stays mm. with the team for next year and that he might not move to Mercedes because if they didn't have this deal done, you know, early, then I think Verstappen, there would have been a high chance of him leaving, which still could happen, but it definitely helps Red Bull in that when they uh, have to negotiate. It gives Red Bull four years of negotiation to find, I don't know, Audi or VW to power them for 2026 and onwards, frankly. And I think that's, that's what's needed. Red Bull either need to get a sponsor, like a, a high-class sponsor for their Red Bull powertrains because they, they had the Tag Heuer-branded Renault. If they can get a um, essentially a BMW-branded, say, for, for example, um, this powertrain can be branded as BMW, for instance, and then they can have a full-on BMW partnership for the next powertrain, they can build up a relationship with another engine manufacturer. And they've got time to do that. And they've got the confidence to do that because they don't have to have this relationship like they did with Renault, where they were biting each other's hands off every other day and don't have the, they basically know what they're doing with a bit of stability. It, I think that's, that's good. And it's positive for the future in the, in the 2025, 26, whenever it comes out more sustainable, louder, cheaper engine that they're hopefully going well, to be able to get every year it's yeah not, but um, they say it every this year this year, well, this year is the one I, I do like the image freddie conjured up at the, the start of answering this question about the <laughs> engines exploding everywhere and i'm just kind of picturing a kingsman style like just kind of going around the grid like they were you know like three cars like exploded flag or something and like keep going like that i think that'd be a superb thing um yeah i think that's a very good point it's a worry that if mercedes do kind of go in with a massive advantage they will be you know e even with the rule change coming in 2022 you know they won't be things might not be as close as we hope they will be but yeah i think that you both raised very good points on that anything else to add on that or nothing from me adam you may move on to the next topic that is superb it's like being in a 10 downing street briefing except not in any way at all apart from that sentence um <laughs> next slide alonso alonso has was involved in a was it in switzerland uh bike yeah. crash bike yeah. incident in switzerland and was hospitalized and he fractured his jaw, which sounds quite a nasty injury and quite a nasty yeah. fall if the kind of main impact point or main kind of force trauma on his body was on the jaw. That sounds quite like quite a nasty incident. Um, but he is out now, fortunately. He yes. is, I think on Monday or Sunday, they said they would, he'd be having a few days complete rest and then he'd be able to resume training um and but it will have some impact on his season his starts the season i saw some, is there a helmet does he have to wear a special yeah, well it's just rumors at the moment nothing official but he might might have to wear a special kind of helmet because of 
uh, whatever surgery he's had to his face or his teeth, uh, which will have to be approved by the FIA. But we'll have to see. It's just rumours so far. But hopefully, I, I hope it doesn't affect him too much. It won't make too much difference realistically in terms of the helmet homologation because, I mean, Arai and Stilo and um, all these com- Bell, all these companies, whoever provides helmets to Alonso will make it happen because it's Fernando Alonso. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. just will it affect his performance, I guess, because of this accident? I mean, I think if I it had, if it had um, been a severe incident to sort of, I don't know, his whole leg or his his arm, that kind of thing. What's something that would severely impact the way he drives the car and the way he sits in the car, maybe. Um, but I kind of feel like the most positive thing about it being the jaw, which, as Adam says, is a horrible, I mean, you, it's a horrible crash to imagine. You can kind of, the tarmac on your face is not nice. Yeah. Um, asphalt. And um, it's just like, at least it's not, what yeah, he drives yeah. the car with. I, I agree. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it happened near a Lidl, apparently. So a car, it, was in, it was a ca- yeah. traffic jam of cars. You know, a car stopped and like a car turned. The car like was blind, so it didn't see him. And then yeah. it hit him at like the junction or something. Uh, I think that's a positive as well, is that it hits him at a junction. If, it hit, if he'd been hit by... I mean, that's one of those things that sometimes you just can't avoid as a car or a cyclist, which is just awful. But... Um, if it hit him sort of at, I don't know, on a dual carriageway, then he would have he would be well, a goner, frankly, and yeah. he's just be basically been pushed over by a car, not being hit by a car. And I think mm. that's kind of some comfort you can take in it, but it's still, and yeah, any any instant when you're doing training when you're hit by a car in any way is horrible. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mark Webber had a mountain bike accident yeah. back in the that's day. He affected yeah. his. He broke his leg and then won his race, won his first race of the season that year. So, mm. I think if if we're talking about big impacts to Alonso, I don't think there's really going to be many. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, Alonso's well, maybe had... positive, maybe a win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Alonso's had huge bad. accidents, you know, in, in F1 in 2015 preseason testing. He had a weird yes. accident and then he missed the first race. But then he was fine after that in 2016 in Melbourne. He flipped over after uh, hitting Esteban Gutierrez but he's come back from that and uh, yeah for me I, I really do think he'll still be near his best and you know one of the top drivers in the sport uh, so yeah it's good that he's recovering and hopefully we'll see him well at pre-season testing which is not too far away now mm. there's something yeah. about Fernando isn't there he's just yeah. he's just relentless and you just you kind of think he's just gonna. This is just gonna spur him on to be like, I've got to train even harder every day now. Every day that I can train counts. Every day that I can get out on the bike is so much more important. And I think it's. I was I was I was really gutted by the news actually because I've been because I was really worried that we wouldn't be able to see a return for one of the most naturally gifted racers on. In Formula One, well, definitely of the past, no, however long, seventy years. Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> monthly. Did, definitely did you definitely know? the the latest yeah. Formula One. Yeah, I was going to say, did you know that Alonso had a close call in two thousand nine 
when he was taken off from a plane in Kenya and, uh, and the pilot, pilot lost control because the wing hit a building. Uh, but he escaped from that. He was just a bit shot. And then he went home on a private plane a few days later, uh, which was sent by Flavio Briatore, who was then the Renault, was he Renault boss? Yeah, I he think was he was. Boss. Yeah, it was yeah. one of his final seasons in F1. So we had a close call then in, in uh, before the season. So, yeah. That's, that's scary. David Coulthard had a plane crash as well when he was a Formula One driver. He, his, um, I think it was his private, I think it was a chartered plane for him and his wife or something to fly from the UK to Monaco or Nice, wherever it is. And it crashed on landing. And um, Ooh, it's horrible, horrible crash, I think. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that DC still speaks about, like haunting him. Mm. It's quite mm. Was that We've gone down. Yeah. Sorry, Adam. Was that Jordan when he was still racing? In that F1? was when he was racing. I think. I think that mm. was. I want to say McLaren days, but you know, obviously successful enough yeah. to charter a flight. But wow. um, yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of. If you're traveling for a living, it becomes a bit unsavory sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when you're strapping yourself into an F1 car, then I think things probably pale into, into insignificance, really, a bit. Um, so, yeah. If you're someone who's, if you're willing to go around the outside of 130R on Michael Schumacher, who's one of the most yeah. defensive drivers of all time, then I think he's not scared. Yeah. And Mark Webber also finished the final four races of the 2010 season, nursing a broken shoulder. In the championship, arguably. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. And But my better uh, scared of flying fact is that in the 2011 Rugby World Cup, Romanian star player and fullback Catalan Fercu didn't travel because he was scared of flying. So he didn't oh. play. He was their best really? player and he didn't play. Yeah, and then in the um, oh, in the 2015 World Cup, then he no. got the boat. He got the boat to oh, England. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's how he travelled. So yeah, what that's, do you want to? What do you want to be when you're older? I want to be an international rugby player. How are you going to do that by not <laughs> flying anywhere? <laughs> by train. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, incredible. Yeah, I think that's a. Um, I, I just can't kind of. Imagine it and imagine an F1 driver like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could just compete on kind of the European leg, <laughs> or like you'd have that to... would be interesting though. If you had like drivers who just did like random bits of the season just because they wanted to, yeah. that kind of thing. if you had that kind of level of, of um capability for drivers in F1, that would be kind of fun, didn't they? Didn't Red Bull have like I mean, their first season just have Christian Klein and Lietz, if it's Antonio Liuzzi, just like take it in turns every other week. I remember. I don't know. I can't I remember. remember. I think that's one of those weird things that Red Bull do. It's like, yeah, let's have three drivers. Why not? They did have three drivers at some point. Yeah, that is right. I can't yeah. remember it was then. Well, you could have, I think this season you could probably, you, you could have two weeks to get from Bahrain to Imola. Uh, actually, this season would be all right On for boat. it. Because, yeah, good luck yeah, doing the trip well, rider from Singapore, Japan to. Uh, wherever the other one is, yeah. When, <laughs> when you have to get that boat from Brazil to Australia, <laughs> yeah, I think I think in that case you'd just have to go. You'd just have to go straight to Jeddah and just skip out Australia. Yeah, you go to Jeddah and do Abu Dhabi. 
Then Thank what, you, kids. You can just go the other way from Brazil, can't you? You can go like left instead of right. What, <laughs> you go, you go all the way across the land of South America, yeah. get to what, Chile. I and can't then even get on a left. boat. Anti-clockwise, <laughs> yeah. that's a better phrase. West. Let's say west. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like travelling. Let's say west. Yeah. Left. <laughs> so actually, when, when, oh. you get to, when you get to Interlagos, turn left and go to Chile. <laughs> then when you get to Chile, keep going straight across the Pacific Ocean until you get to Melbourne. Then when you get to <laughs> Melbourne, turn right and you might be at Albert Park. Who knows? Oh, Sir Francis, which way are we? What's our heading? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> left a bit and then straight on past that sandbar. Like, I, I'm not sure. That's the official nautical term. Oh, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, well, you can have quite a fun. You could say port. It'd like, be port a bit like left. the Top Gear um, like oh. Middle Eastern special, kind of trying to get from Bahrain to Imola in um, <laughs> two weeks. Most... In the most legal way possible. <laughs> well, Sneak just... through the desert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just got like Joe or whatever, just sneaking through Syria. I, I can imagine Joe Benazzi being terrified of planes. Actually, I don't know why. I could, he's so he's so sweet and lovely. You can kind oh. of think, oh, I don't like the flight. It's just like, oh, bless him. Apologies to any Italian viewers. Uh... That was an amazing <laughs> accent, actually. Um, you should be thanking me, Italian viewers. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I'm I mean, so sorry. So sorry. But that is one that kind of. I mean, journalists that kind of I follow on socials. I see them, you know, the kind of like in mid-European legs of the season, where you know you've got like Paul Ricard, Austria, Britain, or something like that, and you do see kind of some of those. You know, if you got those triple headers, I would think that'd be quite a nice road trip to do. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's Simon Patterson is his name. He's a MotoGP journalist. He just lives in a van and drives from track to track. Which looks like, you know, kind of like, that's quite a cool, fun thing to do. Mm. Yeah. That's what, and, that's what the teams do, isn't it? I mean, how do the yeah. teams ship everything? So, to be fair, they could just put a driver in a container and ship it. <laughs> it's like, so, like the stig <laughs> something top gear yeah. would do they just like wheel the stig out and like in the um hey, and the stig race across driver. london yeah the ra- race across london where they just like and <laughs> take the bubble wrap off him or is that the spanish one can't remember one the two close to him in the spanish one they just put a stamp on the stig don't they <laughs> on the stig's head yeah but then the queen's head is on the stamp so it's the queen's head on the stig's head and that's why the queen wins every formula one race Yes. Yes. No. She's the fastest round the Top Gear test track. The Queen. Yeah. She holds the lap record there. She doesn't she have to hold the lap record? Isn't it part of the law? Fa- famously, the Stig doesn't compete in F1. So he doesn't. And that's why you. That'd be fun, ride. though. Imagine That'd that. That'd be great. Well, um, they, they don't know who it is. They just like rock up and he's just they... there walking in his helmet. So Top Gear did the 24-hour Brit car race for one of their episodes in like years ago. They genuinely considered entering Le Mans with the Stig and just having the Stig. Oh, wow. I know. But then they also realised that, you know, it's a proper event. So they can't just enter someone called the Stig. And what if he loses? That's not good. So... <laughs> so... <laughs> Which kind of makes sense. But would it be insane if, he'd, if they'd entered, you know, I don't know Perry McCarthy... He, when he was the stick, it was 20 years on from when he had one F1 drive. So, you know, his book on my bookshelf. Still need to read he it. He was the stick. What? 
Was he, he was like the one of the original Stigs? Was he? Oh, Blum's I thought stick? it was, was Ben stick? Collins after that. Ben Collins after that, and then we don't know the third. Yeah. No, I like that. In when Ben Collins turns it for the, um, it's the Dak, it's the amputees who are doing the Dakar rally, mm. and he turns up and he's like having to like, oh yeah, if if you see him noting anything, if he gets a notebook out, don't say anything. He's like, it's ex Stig <laughs> and you know, like touring car driver Ben Collins or whatever. And they did their they did their arena tour after that and in between they didn't have a stig and they had to do all their like stuff with the stig and they just said like we've got a the Ben Collins and just called him the Ben <laughs> Collins. Which I thought was quite fun. Anyway, this is off topic. But it's winging it, so it works. And now we will drag it back onto topic with the final piece of news to come out today, the McLaren car launch, team launch, livery launch. It's the exact same as last year in terms of livery. But I like it. I think the car looks very sleek as well. I, quite, I, I do genuinely like the car design, which shows how much I've developed over the last year because last this time last year, I wouldn't have known about the car design at all. So there we go. Um, but yeah, what do you both make of the event? And yeah event oh the event okay the event yeah the, the whole anything life. anything mclaren to be honest anything mclaren add that to the dictionary kids why, yeah. why did i say kids well, anyway. if <laughs> a kid is watching it they're going to go and add it to the dictionary because they're a kid um but yeah, yeah, they're 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 right level English exam and fail. exactly um Anyway, the event, the event, the event, the event, the event, the event was long. It was a uh, they 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 definitely wanted to get their um their point across with the fact that they exist. I don't really know. I never really know why car launches, team launches are sometimes long exercises. But I guess it's a it's an excuse for PR, isn't it? It's it's coverage. It's it's pre- creating news for yourself and. They did that. They got people talking. Um, they had a good bit of fun with a fun little VT where Daniel Ricardo and Lando Norris went to go and um, create a song that we didn't hear. Um, you kind of thought they were going to do a live performance of it. And I thought that would be kind of, <laughs> kind of interesting if they did a live performance of it, but they didn't. Um, so no. maybe we'll hear snippets of this song across the year and we'll all be pissed off with it by the time we get to um, race six. Um, but anyway, I thought it was all right. Some people think it's a bit cringe, but I think because it's Lando and Daniel, it was fine. And I agree with Adam. It's a nice car. If it ain't broke, it's what Renault did for so for so many years recently with their car. And that was always a good looking car, the yellow and black Renault. And that probably, if they weren't changing to Alpine, would, would have stayed the same again. Um, it's that kind of thing. Nice car. They've refined it a bit. They've made it slicker because last year the rainbow bit was just added on halfway through. Whereas this, they've made it a bit slicker. Looks a few little edges, a few little bits of blue where it was just kind of like with a blue trim in some places, which I think is quite nice. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> God, we I'm are just, struggling out. We're talking I'm, about the little bits of I'm, I'm just, That's the thing. Oh. That's all there is to say. That's all I'm, there is to I'm, say. But it does make it look better. It's like I'm just impressed that you actually boards. managed to find something yeah, different I on it. I, I, I was oh, genuinely it was looking at it. They filmed. They filmed the nose cone straight away, and the nose cone had a dash of blue on it. It didn't have that dash of blue on it last year. I was sorry. What? I mean, 
We're promoting ourselves as F1 journalists. We should know this kind of thing. Yeah, we're not art critics. About the racing. No, but you've got to be an art critic when you're looking at a livery, aren't you? Uh, Oh, sorry, Michelangelo. We can can tell this version. Michelangelo. (laughs) The art critic, Michelangelo. Is he an artist? He's an artist. He painted the Sistine Chapel. Maybe I am an art critic. Maybe that's my calling. Oh yes, this this version. You should chop your ear off as well. Jackson Pollock esque thing on. The cow's head to the left is slightly slightly rounder from the horns, then going down to the nose, and that is how we know that it is the number fifty seven. Allegorical for Judas Iscariot. Picasso painted. That's Freddy. I've actually seen Kernica. It's very big, but sorry. Massive. Massive. Yes. Well, anyway, the McLaren oh. isn't by Picasso. No. I wish it was, actually. It would be very good. That's it, would be, uh, it would be amazing if McLaren had resuscitated and brought back from the dead Pablo Picasso. That would be arguably the best right bar. <laughs> 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 that would arguably be a bigger story than the car launch. Oh, my God. <laughs> Definitely a bigger story than a new McLaren anthem building yeah. Chrome recording studios. Ooh, yeah, hey. I mean, it's PR, isn't it? It's all PR, Ooh, and hey. it worked because a lot of people watched Ooh, it. Hey. Impressive. Uh, that's the song. I just did the song. Nigel, if you've got anything to. Oh, I've got anything to, to add. add. I think the question was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, nothing to do with colours, but. Yeah, they talked about how they made changes to the rear of the car because every team has to with the new reg- regulations. Mercedes engine uh, in the back of the car as well. But yeah, I, I'm really excited about McLaren's chances this year. And I think Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren's a great fit. I think it's a really good matchup. Uh, so yeah, I really did rate their chances in the upcoming season. Yeah, I think I did really like that yeah. bit with James Key and the two drivers discussing the car um but as you've raised that we'll just go on to a quick bit at the end um have we got any hot takes for mclaren's season or what would be a good year for mclaren i thought you gonna say what would be a good hot take if you don't have a hot take and it's just like how does that work i don't know why i thought you were no because I, I'm I understand english way. i'm stalling but... um because I yeah don't i think i think they're gonna get the aim should be third, and I think they will achieve that. And I, and I hope to get closer to Mercedes and Red Bull too. That's that's what Zach Brown and Andreas Seidel have spoken about, that they want to close the gap to, what, at least within a second consistently at every race, I'd think, if not a bit closer to the pole position time, whatever that is. And I think they will do that. I think McLaren will get third, and I think they will get a few podiums this year as well. I think they're going to get a pole position. I mean, <laughs> it's possible. It's a hot I mean, take. I'm trying to be a hot take. No, it is strong. I, I, I say they like could that. finish third. That's just a take. This is a hot mm. take. They will yeah. finish third. I do. I do what? like that. <laughs> That's what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that as a hot take, actually. Thank you. That's How, very good. What, in the wet qualifying or? Um, the other oh, no, 18 cars get, crash that would, if, you, if we start to, start to add in variables it becomes way too hot to take let's start it as a pole position let's a say pole, pole position. position it could be wet, that, it could be dry who knows 
Well, hot enough for you, way, Nigel. Mr. Oh, way, they're going to come third. Either way, they'll start off first uh, on the grid for one of the races. They might qualify second and someone might get pushed back. Who knows? Still starting on pole position. I can yeah. see that. I mean, I think they've got more chance of winning the race and getting pole position, quite frankly. Well, yeah, that, same with everyone, really. That's a pig Gasly won the race. Agree. <laughs> Apart from Lewis and Bottas. Especially Bottas. They've got more chance of getting a pole. Bottas has got more chance of getting a pole than winning. That's so true, chance. actually. <laughs> Yeah, I think they won't get a podium. Ooh, no, that's like, that is actually kind of a hot take. Do you think really? it's a negative hot take? Well, I don't know. I've got to think of something. Oh, it's a sub zero take. It's a very cold take. I think. I think, mm. think Perez. I think the Perez factor. Oh, that's a good point. That's like, one driver. But yeah, but like you say, oh, it's just one driver who's Albon who's not getting any points in the Red Bull. Yeah, it I mean, twenty-three races. But they, well, I mean, they only got two podiums last year. I don't know. I just think if if you take away and they that, were by mitigated circumstances because yeah, of I mean, Austria one being crazy and Italy actually they were on target for a podium in Sakir anyway before craziness there and in Monza before craziness there. So they kind of they had the pace then. Yeah, I just think... And Nürburgring. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how many pole positions were... Uh, not pole positions, podiums were taken by uh, drivers that weren't in a Mercedes or a Red Bull. But I think Perez will take away a lot of those... I don't know, were eight? eight? Eight's a shot in the dark, but it kind of feels right. Well, yeah, I mean, Alvin uh, got two podiums for Red Bull. So if Perez can get more than two, then... Yeah. yeah it, it's that. you are You are arguing that. Case, yeah, two in 17 races, yeah. So, and and then it just kind of comes down to a bit of look of the draw as to kind of who's in the position to capitalize when that you know, when one of the top or two of the top four aren't there, you know. And if that if that is a wet race or whatever, which is more likely to be, I think, then yeah, that's true, you know, it's even more look of the draw. Well, that's my hot take. Whoever's the third fastest team, which I believe will be McLaren, will have a very good chance of being on the podium. But you think if you look back in every single season, whoever the third fastest team is, or whoever finished third in the constructors, they will have taken a podium at some point. Ah, oh, but the question the thing you raised there. I don't think they'll be third, the that's the, why. The, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing you raised there, Nigel, is that you believe in a certain thing. But does that mean that Adam believes in a certain thing? That's a good point. It's called an opinion. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not science. <laughs> yet, yeah, until we've got to the whole end of the season. Then yeah, it could be I, science. I'm just having a oh. quick look back through a few seasons. Uh, 2018, McLaren were third in the champion, uh, third in the Constructors' Championship and they got what? a podium. Oh, no, sorry, Mercedes, fourth. Ferrari, Red Bull. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm chatting. 2020, um, they were um, third. Yeah, um, yeah, 2020 was the first, the best. 2018, they were eighth or something, weren't they, or seventh? Yeah, but I, th- I think the key thing is that it's not. Previously, the third best team has been one of the top three teams. You'd have a kind of group of the top three. <laughs> You'd have a group of the top three fastest. Previously, previously and... the third place team has been one of the top three teams. Yeah. You I just say. mean, like, yeah, uh, I if, 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 yeah, I, I know you both know what I mean. But if if yeah, you're kind do, of grouping it, it's, it's, it's like, like the, the you have these three teams. Yeah. 
Well, it's like these three were the fastest, you know, the top group of fastest teams. So I think, and this year it's just the other two. I don't know. I, that's my hot take, and it's hot. No, you're right, yours, Nigel. So class A is smaller yeah, than that it used to be. That's what you're saying. Yeah. If that makes sense. He's frozen, but he's he. What he is saying that's is that class A <laughs> is is bigger. Is used to be three teams, and now it's two teams, mm. and that's why. Yeah, so, and if you're looking at, this year, if you're looking at the fourth, you know the kind of team below Class A, then it's not been kind of as successful over the past few years. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Anything mm. else to add, gents? On it, we will be doing a season preview proper, and mm-hmm. it will be a lot better than last year's season preview as well because we have developed over the year. Um, and if you've watched this podcast, you've noticed how much better we are than how we used we will, to be. We will get over McLaren then as well but anything to add um i think what i will add is that i'm everything coming out we say this a lot but everything coming out mclaren is so positive and it's still so positive and the fact that um this team was you know openly take taking like making a collaboration with a music group and they've got a driver writing a rap in a in a recording booth and they're laughing about it and putting it on front and center of one of their biggest um PR events of the year um sole standalone events um that speaks volumes to where McLaren is as an organization and if you look at where they were 10 years ago if someone had even thought about this they would have been shot at dawn whereas now they've they've actually done it and they've developed it and they've become a team that's so personable and so fantastic and such a fan-friendly team that it's 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 the template for what um, Liberty want from Formula One teams and what they wanted to instigate when they came in, when they bought Formula One in 2016. So I'd just say other teams um, take note. I mean, I know it was a bit long. I know it went on for 40 minutes, but that's because they can do that. And a lot of what it went, what, what a lot of the filler they used was actually relatively interesting. So, I'd, and they focus on the car. They, like Adam says, they had a video with James Key talking about the car. And that was really interesting. So other teams take note and Become, don't be aloof, be McLaren. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Uh, no, I'm not, like I said, I'm really excited about McLaren. And, uh, I, this is probably the most excited I've been about them since 20, probably the first year of the Turbo Hybrid era, 2014. Yeah. Started the season off, second best year, and then just went down. Well, it's been downhill ever since then, ever since mm. they had the couple podiums, but they really have rejuvenated in the last couple of years. Uh, Norris and and sides last year we've spoken about the environment in the team and how it's changed, how it's improved. Zach Brown has it as well too, and they've got the right people there. James Key used to be at Toyo Rosso, Andrea Seidel, who we know about from the Porsche LMP1 team. So it's all looking good. It really, it really is, and I can't wait to see what happens on the track. Yes, a pole position. That's what's going to happen. But no podiums, which yeah. brings us to the end of this podcast. So thank you very much for listening. We will be back in a week or two, depending on what happens in the F1 world, with another hit of news and debate. There'll be a few other car launches as well um, coming up yeah. later this week. We've got Alfa Romeo is coming in a week. Um, someone else is coming later. I think Alfa Tauri is coming Alpha on Tauri. Thursday. Um, so... We're going to be swept off our feet with mini little conversations about cars that look exactly the same. Yes. 
apart from Albion and Aston Martin. You, yes. the audience, can all look forward to that with bated breath. But for now, we will say thanks for listening and goodbye. Thank you. Bye.